Number 20. Ubaidullah al-Ahrar. As soon as I remember you, my secret, my heart, and my spirit starts to disturb me during your remembrance. Until an observer from you used to call me, Beware! Beware! Of remembrance beware! Do you not see the real? His proofs appeared. The meaning of totality joined your meaning. The rememberers, when remembering him, are more forgetful than the ones who forgot to remember him. The prophet said, The one who knows God, his tongue is paralyzed. Anonymous Ubaidullah al-Ahrar was the pole of the circle of the knowers of God, an ocean of knowledge which would never be exhausted even though all of creation were to drink from it to quench its spiritual thirst. He was a king who owned the pure light of the unique essence and released it from its captivity in the hidden to spread it among all the knowers. He unveiled the hidden side of the moons of the attributes of the Lord from the cradle until his perfected state. He was given authority as a youth to set to work to receive the secret of secrets and to unveil the veils. He never looked at a worldly desire. He progressed until he reached the highest states of sainthood, where the knowledge of the essence of the unseen is bestowed, and the secret of absolute nothingness becomes revealed. Then he travelled on from absolute nothingness to absolute light. God revived this order through him during his time, and he supported him with his favour. He made him a golden link in this golden chain, and he made him one of the most elevated inheritors of the Prophet. Sheikh Obeidullah tried his best to wash from the hearts of people the dirt and darkness that had covered them. He became a sun to light the way of the seekers to the state of certainty and the hidden treasure of spiritual knowledge. He was born in the village of Shash in the year 806 Hijra, 1404 current era, in the month of Ramadan. It was related that before he was born, his father began to exhibit a tremendous state of renunciation, which made him leave all worldly actions and enter seclusion. He nearly gave up sleep and food, disconnected himself from people, and took to practicing the spiritual way of the Sufi path. While in this spiritual state, his wife became pregnant with Ubaidullah. That is one reason for the latter's high station. His spiritual training began while in his mother's womb. When his mother became pregnant, his father's unusual spiritual state ended, 
and he returned to his normal life. Before Ubaidallah was born, the following incident took place in which his great station was foretold. Sheikh Muhammad Asurbali said, When Sheikh Nizamuddin al-Khamush al-Samarkandi was sitting in my father's house meditating, he suddenly screamed in a tremendous voice. This made everyone afraid. He said, I saw a vision of an enormous man coming to me from the east, and I could see nothing in the world except for him. That person is named Ubaidallah, and he is going to be the greatest sheikh of his time. God is going to make the whole world subject to him, and I hope I will be among his followers. The Beginning of His State and the State of His Beginning The signs of happiness were visible on him in his childhood. The light of guidance appeared in his face. One of his relatives said he did not accept the breast of his mother for nursing until she was clean of any postpartum bleeding and discharge. He himself reported, I still recall what I heard when I was one year of age. From the age of three years I was in the presence of God. When I studied the Quran with my teacher, my heart was in God's presence. I used to think that all people were like that. One day, during the winter, I went out while it was raining, and my feet and shoes sank into the mud. It was very cold. I tried to pull my feet out of the mud. I realized that my heart was in big danger, because for that moment I had forgotten to remember God. I immediately began to ask for forgiveness. He was raised in the home of his uncle, Ibrahim Ashashi, who was the greatest scholar of his time. He taught him very well, and when he had completed his training, his uncle sent him from Tashkent to Samarkand. He said to his uncle, Whenever I go to study, I feel sick. He replied, O oh my son, I know the state you are now in so I am not going to force you to do anything. Do as you like. You are free. He narrates, One day, while in that state, I went to visit the grave of Sheikh Abi Bakr al-Kafal. I took a nap and I had a vision. I saw Jesus in the vision. I rushed to bow down and kiss his feet. He raised my head and said, O oh my son, do not become sad. I am taking the responsibility of raising you and educating you. That vision ended. I related the vision to many people. One of them was an expert in the interpretation of spiritual states. He explained it this way. You are going to be very high in the science of medicine.
I did not like his explanation. I told him, I know better what the vision represents. Jesus, in the spiritual knowledge, represents the state of the living ones. Anyone who reaches that state among the saints will be given the title, the living one. God mentioned in the Holy Quran a verse describing them. Truly, they are alive with their Lord, receiving sustenance. Quran, chapter 3, verse 169. Since he promised to raise me in that line, it means that I am going to reach the state of the living-hearted. It was not much longer before I received that state from the living one in my heart. I saw the Prophet Muhammad in a grand vision. He was accompanied by a very large crowd, standing at the foot of a mountain. He looked at me and said, O oh, Ubaidullah, lift up this mountain and take it up to that other mountain. I knew that no one can carry a mountain, but it was a direct order from the Prophet. I lifted that mountain, and I carried it to the place he asked me. Then the Prophet looked at me and said, I knew that this power was in you. I wanted people to know about it and to see the power that you are carrying. From this, I knew that I would be the means of guiding a great many people to this way. One night I saw Shah Nakshaband come to me and work on my internal state. When he went, I followed him. He stopped and looked at me. He said, May God bless you, my son. You are going to have a very high position. I followed the spiritual pole, Nizamuddin al-Khamush, in Samarkand. Then, when I was twenty-two years old, I went to Bukhara, where I met the great knower, Sheikh Sirajuddin al-Bermisi. He lived four miles from Bukhara. When I visited him, he looked at me intensely, and he wanted me to stay with him but my heart was telling me to travel to Bukhara. I only stayed with him briefly. He used to work in the day making clay pots, and at night he used to sit in his prayer room on the floor. After finishing his night prayer, he would sit until the dawn prayer. I never saw him sleep during the day or the night. I stayed with him seven days, Never did I see him sleep. He was one of the most advanced in both external and internal knowledge. Then I moved to Bukhara, where I kept company with Sheikh Hamiduddin al-Shashi and with Sheikh Alauddin al-Gujduwani. They were among the followers of Shah Naqshband, Alauddin Attar and Yaqub al-Sharhi. Sheikh Alauddin al-Gujduwani would sometimes disappear completely while lecturing, and then he would reappear. He had an excellent way of speaking. He never stopped making zikr, 
and struggling with his self. I met him one day when he was ninety years old. I used to frequent his company. One day I went for a walk to the grave of Shah Nakshaband. When I came back, I saw Sheikh Alauddin Augustawani coming halfway to meet me. He said, I think it is better that you stay with us tonight. We prayed the night prayer. He offered me dinner. Then he said to me, O、oh、my son, let us keep this night alive. He sat cross legged, and I sat behind him. He was in perfect meditation and zikr. He never moved right or left. I know through my spiritual knowledge that a person in that state must be in complete presence and vision of the divine. I was surprised that at his age of ninety years he did not feel tired. By midnight, I myself began to feel exhausted. I began to make little sounds, hoping he would give me permission to stop. He ignored me. Then I stood up to attract his attention, but he still ignored me. I felt ashamed and went back to my place and sat again. At that time, I experienced a vision. In which he was pouring into my heart the secret of the knowledge of firmness and constancy. From that time on, I felt that whatever difficulty came my way, I would be able to carry it without any disturbance. I realized that this order is based completely on the support of the disciple by the Sheikh. He taught me a lesson. That one must struggle to keep firm and constant in the zikr, because whatever you acquire easily without difficulty will not stay with you. Whatever you earn by the sweat of your brow, however, will stay with you. One time I went to visit Sheikh Sayyid Qasim al Tabrizi in Herat. There I followed an ascetic way of life, leaving everything of the world. When he ate, he would give me the remains. I would eat them without saying anything. One day he looked at me and said, You are going to be very rich. I am predicting this for you. At that time I had nothing. When I returned to my country, I was a farmer. And I had one acre of land on which I kept some cows. In a very short time, his prediction came true. My land increased until I had many farms and herds of cattle. All this wealth did not affect my heart. I dedicated it all for the sake of God. The Superiority of Service. His benevolence in private and in public marked his way. He said, One time I went to the school of Kutubuddin Asadur in Samar. I found four people there with very high fevers. I began to serve them, cleaning their clothes and feeding them, until I too became infected with the same fever. 
this did not stop me from serving them. The fever in me increased and increased until I felt that I was going to die. I made an oath to myself, Let me die, but let these four people be served. I continued to serve them. The next day I found myself completely cured, while they were all still sick. To help and serve people in the understanding of this way is better than thicker and meditation. Some people think that to do the superrogatory sunnah prayers is better than serving and helping those in need. It is our view, however, that to take care of people and to help them and to show them love is better than anything else. In this regard, Shah Naqshaband used to say, We love to serve, not to be served. When we serve, God is happy with us, and this brings more attraction to the Divine Presence, and God opens that state more for us. However, to be served brings pride and weakness to the heart and causes us to recede from the Divine Presence. Sheikh Ubaidullah said, I did not take this spiritual path from books, but I pursued this way by service to people. Everyone enters through a different door. I entered this spiritual order through the door of service. He was extremely strict in keeping the right conduct of both external and internal behavior in his seclusion and among the people. Abu Sa'd al-Awbahi said, I accompanied him for thirty-five years. I was with him continuously. In all that time, I never saw him remove the skin or the seeds of fruit from his mouth, so as not to open his mouth with food inside. When he was sleepy, he would never yawn. I never saw him spit. I never saw him do something which would disgust people. I never even saw him sitting cross-legged. He sat only on his knees in perfect good conduct. From his miraculous speech about the glorious Quran. I will tell you a secret from among the many secrets of Praise belongs to God, Lord of the worlds. Quran chapter 1 verse 2 The perfect praise is to God from God. The perfection of praise is when the servant praising him knows that he is nothing. The servant must know that he is completely empty. No body or form exists for him. No name and no action belongs to him, but he is happy because God, almighty and exalted, made his attributes to appear in him. What is the meaning of God's saying in the Quran, And few of my servants are thankful. 
Quran, chapter 34, verse 13. The servant who is truly thankful is the one who can see the grantor of favors to human beings. What is the meaning of the verse, And leave the one who turns away from our remembrance? Quran chapter 53 verse 29 It indicates that for the one who is in deep contemplation of his divine presence and has reached the state of seeing nothing except him, there is no need for acts of remembrance. If he is in the state of complete vision, do not order him to recite dhikr, as it might cause a coldness in his heart. While he is totally preoccupied with his state of vision, anything else is a distraction and might interrupt the state. Muhyiddin ibn Arabi said regarding this matter, By remembrance of God, dhikr Allah, sins increase, and visions and hearts will be veiled. To leave the dhikr is a better state because the sun never sets. What he means here is that when the knower is in the divine presence and in the state of absolute vision of the oneness of God, at that time everything is annihilated in God. For him, dhikr would be a distraction. The knower exists in his existence and appears in his appearance. He is in a state of annihilation in the Divine Presence, whereas in Dhikr Allah he would be in a state of absence, in the need of reminding himself that God is there. What is the meaning of the verse, Be with the trustworthy ones? Quran, chapter 9, verse 119. This means to keep both their physical and their spiritual company. The seeker may sit in the physical company of the people of truth, watch them, listen to them, and God will enlighten his heart and will teach him to be like them. To keep the spiritual company of the people of truth, the seeker must direct his heart towards their spiritual heart. The seeker must keep their company always in his heart until they reflect all their secrets and all their stations on him. He must not turn his face to anything in this world except to the Master, who will take him to the presence of God. Love and follow lovers. Then you will be like them, and their love will reflect on you. About the dhikr with La ilaha illallah, some of the masters say that La ilaha illallah is the dhikr of the common people. Allah is the dhikr of the preferred people, and Hu is the dhikr of the preferred of the preferred. But to me, La ilaha illallah is the dhikr of the preferred of the preferred, because it has no end. Just as God is the creator in every moment, 
so in every moment knowledge increases for the knower. For the knower, his previous state is as nothing once he enters a new, higher state. The knower negates one state as he discards it, and affirms a new state as he enters it. This is the manifestation of La ilaha illallah in the servant of God. What is meant by the verse, O you who believe, believe, Quran chapter 4 verse 136, is, O believers, you are safe. You are safe because you have connected your heart with God, almighty and exalted, and anyone who connects his heart with God is guaranteed safety. What is the meaning of the verse, To whom belongs the kingdom on this day? To God, the One, the Irresistible. Quran, chapter 40, verse 16. This verse has had many explanations, but the key is to understand that the kingdom referred to is the heart of the seeker. If God looks at the heart of the seeker with the light of his vision, then he erases the existence of everything except God in his heart. That is what caused Bayezid to say, Glory to me for my greatness, and Halaj, I am the truth. In that state, the heart is speaking, the heart from which God has erased everything but himself. What is the meaning of the verse, Every day, moment, he manifests himself in yet another wondrous way? Quran, chapter 55, verse 29. This verse relates to the two aspects of subsistence after annihilation. First, the seeker, after he realizes the truth through his heart and is firmly established in his vision of the unique essence of God, almighty and exalted, returns from the station of self-effacement to the station of complete presence. His senses become the place of appearances of God's names and actions. He finds in himself traces of both the heavenly attributes and the worldly attributes. He is now able to distinguish between the two different levels of attributes. He is able to obtain benefit from every attribute and knowledge. The second meaning of the verse is that the spiritual traveller finds in himself, in every moment and in every minuscule particle of time, a trace of the unique essence of God, which cannot be found outside the state of annihilation in the vision of the One. From one fractional moment to another, he will visualize the parts of the states of the unique divine essence and understand the connectedness of everything in the divine unity. This connectedness varies in its colors and effects on the person because it will thus be distinguished according to the time in which it appeared. This state is a very rare state and few saints attain it. 
those few in each century who reach it are in a state of great honor, and they observe the meaning of the verse, Every day he manifests himself in yet another wondrous way. What is the meaning of the tradition, Close all doors which face my mosque except the door of Abu Bakr? Abu Bakr as-Siddiq existed in a state of perfect love towards the Prophet. All doors to the Prophet are closed except the door of love, as represented by the open door of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq. The way of the masters of the Naqshbandi order is connected through Abu Bakr as-Siddiq to the Prophet. Love for the master brings the seeker to the door of Abu Bakr, which leads him to the love of the Prophet, and from the love of the Prophet to the love of God, Almighty and Exalted. The Meaning of Siddiq If a truthful saint, Siddiq, progressing in the way of God, is heedless for one moment, he loses in that one moment more than the attainment of a thousand years. Our order is a way in which all states are multiplied quickly in every moment. One second may be multiplied to the value of a thousand years. There was a group of my followers who were reported to the Khalif as hypocrites. He was advised, If you kill them, you will be rewarded, because people will be saved from their misguidance. When they were brought before the Caliph, he ordered them to be killed. The executioner approached to kill the first one. His companion called out and said, Leave him and kill me first. When the executioner approached the second, the third one called him and said, Kill me first. This was repeated for all four of them. The executioner was very surprised. He asked, What group do you belong to? It is as if you like to die. They said, We are the group that prefers others to ourselves. We have reached a state in which for every action we perform, our rewards are doubled and we are increased in spiritual knowledge. Each of us tries his best to do good for someone else even if only for a brief moment, in order to be raised higher and higher in the eyes of God. The executioner began to shake and could not take their lives. He went to the Khalif and explained their state. The Khalif immediately had them released and said, If these are hypocrites, then there are no more people of truth, Siddiq, left on the earth. THE CONDUCT OF THE SHEIKH AND DISCIPLE One great sheikh wrote to Sheikh Ubaidullah al-Ahrar and said, If you would like to educate any of your disciples, please send me one and I will teach him. He replied, I do not have any disciples, but if you need a sheikh, I have many. Sufism 
requires you to carry everyone's burdens and not to put yours on anyone. The best time of the day is one hour after the afternoon prescribed prayer. At that time, the disciple must make progress in his worship. One of the best forms of worship at that time is to sit and evaluate the deeds of the day. If the seeker finds what he has done to be good, he must praise God. If he finds anything wrong, he must ask forgiveness. One of the best deeds is to follow a perfect sheikh. To follow him and to keep his company will enable the seeker to reach the divine presence of God, almighty and exalted. Keeping the company of people of different mentalities causes the people to fall into differences. One time, Bayezid al-Bistami was sitting in association. He found disagreement within the group. He said, Look carefully among yourselves. Is there anyone who is not from us? They looked and did not find anyone. He said, Look again, for there is someone who is not from us. They looked again and found the walking stick of someone not from the group. He said, Throw that away quickly, because it is reflecting its owner, and that reflection is causing disagreement. One day, a Sufi joined the group of the scholar Maulana Zainuddin At-Tibabi. The Sufi was asked, Who do you love more, your Sheikh or Imam Abu Hanifa? He answered, For a long time I followed the way of Imam Abu Hanifa very carefully. Yet for all those years, the bad manners that were in my heart would not leave me. After I had followed my sheikh for only a few days, all my bad manners disappeared. So how could I love the imam better than my sheikh, even though I give Imam Abu Hanifa full respect? The sheikh must appear in the presence of his disciples dressed in the best clothes, clean and neat. It is through their heart's connection that the disciples connect with the sheikh. If he is dirty or unkempt, it will be difficult for the disciples to maintain the quality of their heart's connection. For that reason, the Prophet ordered his followers to comb their hair and wear their best clothes during worship. God gave me great power to influence anyone I like. Even if I send a letter to King Hatta, who proclaimed that he was God, he would come crawling barefoot to me. I have never used that power, however, because in this order the will must follow the will of God Almighty and Exalted. One of Obedullah's followers said, we were sitting in his presence and he asked for ink, paper and a pen. He wrote many names. Then he wrote one name on another piece of paper and that name was Abu Said. 
he took that paper and put it in his turban. We asked him, Who is the man whose name you put in your turban? He said, That is the man all of the people of Tashkent, Samarkand and Bukhara are going to follow. After one month we heard that King Abu Said was coming to take over Samarkand. No one had ever heard of him before that. It is related, One time King Abu Said had a dream in which he saw the great Imam Ahmad al-Yasawi, one of the caliphs of Yusuf al-Hamadani, asking Ubaidullah al-Ahrar, to read the first chapter of the Quran, Al-Fatiha, with the intention that God give support to Abu Sa'id. In the dream, Abu Sa'id said, Who is that Sheikh? And was told, Ubaidullah al-Ahrar. When he awoke, he still had the image of the Sheikh in his mind. He called his advisor in Tashkent and asked him, Is there anyone by the name of Ubaidullah? He said, Yes. Then the Sultan went to Tashkent to meet him, and he found him in the village of Farqa. The Sheikh came out to meet him. The Sultan recognized him right away. Immediately his heart was attracted. He dismounted and ran to the Sheikh, kissing his hands and feet. He asked the Sheikh to recite Al-Fatiha for him. The Sheikh said, O oh my son, when we need something, we recite Fatiha once, and that is enough. We already did that, as you saw in your dream. The king was astonished that the sheikh knew the content of his dream. Then he asked permission to move to Samarkand, and the sheikh said, If your intention is to support the divine law of the prophet, then I am with you, and God will support you. The king said, this is my intention. The sheikh said, When you see the enemy coming against you, be patient and do not attack immediately. Wait until you see the crows coming from behind you, then attack. When this came to pass and the two armies were facing each other, Abu Sayyid waited while the larger army of Abdullah Misra was attacking. The generals urged Abu Sa'id to attack. He said, Not until we see the blackbirds coming, as my sheikh foretold, then we will attack. When he saw the crows coming, he ordered the army to attack. The horse of Abdullah Misra became stuck in the mud. He was captured and imprisoned. Then Abu Sa'id was able to take all the territories. He then called Ubaidullah al-Ahrar to move to Tashkent from Samarkand. Ubaidullah accepted and moved there with all of his followers. He became the advisor to the king. After some years, Sultan Abu Sa'id received the news that Mizra Babar, nephew of Abdullah Mizra, was moving towards Khorasan with a 100,000 warriors in order to avenge his uncle and take back his kingdom. Sultan Abu Sa'id went to Ubaidullah and told him about this, saying, We do not have enough soldiers. 
the sheikh said, Don't worry. When Mizra Babar arrived in Samarkand, Sultan Abu Said consulted his advisers. They advised him to retreat to Turkestan. He prepared to return to Turkestan. The sheikh came to him and said, How is it that you are disobeying my orders? I told you not to fear. By myself I am enough for all the one hundred thousand soldiers. The next day plague attacked the army of Sultan Misrababar, causing them to die by the thousands. Sultan Misrababar made a peace treaty with Abu Said, then Misrababar left Samarkand in defeat with the remains of his army. Sheikh Ubaidullah died after the night prescribed prayer on Saturday the 12th of Rabi'ul Awal, 895 Hijra, 1490 Current Era, in the city of Kaman Kashan in Samarkand. He left behind many books including Anasa Salikin Fitasawuf and Al-Urwatu Al-Wuthka Li Arba'a Il-Ittikad. He established a large school and mosque which are still in use today. His son, Muhammad Yahya, and many of the people present at his death saw a light so brilliant shine from his eyes that it made the candles appear dim. All of Samarkand, including the Sultan, were shaken and grief-stricken at his passing. Sultan Ahmed came with all his army to the funeral. The Sultan carried his coffin to its final resting place in this lower world. He passed his secret to Sheikh Muhammad Azahid al-Qadi as Samarkandi.